Well, good morning. Welcome to Fearless Mom. My name is Deanne Wilson, and I'm so glad to be back here today sharing a little bit with you. Our fearless leader, Julie, is not here, but I'm thrilled and honored that she has actually asked me to come share with you today. But before we go any further, we just want to take a moment to welcome in our online audience. We love the gift of technology and the fact that we can come together and cheer each other on because of technology. So whether you are watching online, whether you're listening to the podcast, whether you're watching with a group of friends or by yourself, we are so glad that you are a part of Fearless Moms. So let's give it up for our online audience. Thank you so much. Now, I've stood, stood on this stage several times before, and I'm a self-proclaimed biggest fan of Fearless Mom. I love the fact that even as an empty nester mom, I gain so much value and knowledge and wisdom each and every time Julie speaks or the other uh, speakers speak. And the fact, I love how Julie can actually take complicated information and she can pinpoint it and narrow it in and focus it in in such a way that we can take it and ingest it and process it and put it into our lives. So I love what God is doing in and through Fearless Mom. Now we've been in this message series titled, It's a Big Deal. And we've learned that it's a big deal about laughter and play in our homes. And then we had the opportunity to learn about how it is a big deal and learned about order and routine. And the reality is we probably tend to lean one way or the other, but a healthy home study shows a healthy self and uh, healthy kids actually need to operate right here, which is what Julie calls the parenting pendulum. And there's going to be seasons where we may lean this way, and there's going to be seasons where we may lean the other way, but the goal is for us to operate right here. Then we actually learned about it's a big deal forgiveness and how important forgiveness plays into our emotional health, our emotional resilience, and our emotional strength. And we know that understanding forgiveness and putting it to practice is vital. Now, not only for our emotional strength and physical strength, when we learn the art of forgiveness, which I like to call the hard work of forgiveness, because quite frankly, it's not easy. But when we learn to do the work and learn how to practice forgiveness, we can actually take that and teach it and model it for our kids, because guess what? It's a skill set that just goes on and on and on. And we have lots of opportunities throughout our life to put this into practice. So it is very important for us to learn this skill set and then model it for our kids. We've also learned when we do forgiveness or when we practice forgiveness that we can move from victim to victor, from bitter to better, from resentful to redeemed. So if you haven't had the opportunity to watch these messages, I highly encourage you to make sure you make the time, go to fearlessmom.com, make sure you have a pen, and then make sure you're able to push the pause button because you're going to want to take a lot of notes and put them into practice. Now today, I am very excited because I have the opportunity to wrap up the series. It's a big deal, and we're going to talk about God's way versus my way. 
And the great news is that I actually stand here in front of you because I've done it both ways. I've actually experienced motherhood and wifehood um, from many different perspectives, and a lot of that was doing it my way. And um, some of you know I've been a young married stay-at-home mom. I've been a young married working mom. I've been a young divorced single working mom. Um, Then I was a not-so-young, remarried mom that made me a stepmom, and today I'm an empty nester mom. I've also done it as a non-believer and a believer. So I'm not excited about those titles or whatever we want to call them, but I am excited because I can actually stand here in front of each and every one of you and tell you that I've done it. I've done it my way, and I've done it God's way, and God's way just works better. Before we go any further, I just want to take a moment and pray. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you so much for this role called motherhood. God, I thank you so much for the fact that we can do life your way. And God, I just pray that you would go before each and every one of us, that you would just give us the unbelievable courage to step into your way. God, I ask that you would take every single word that comes out of my mouth and use it to glorify you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Now, for those of you that may not know, I have been married to Russell Wilson for almost 16 years. We have a 26-year-old daughter named Kaylee, and she's actually the director of Fearless Mom here working with Julie. And we have a 20-year-old son that goes to Texas A&M. And we are a blended family, but we truly are a house divided because Kaylee graduated from the University of Texas, and he's a Texas fighting Aggie. So, yes, we're blended but we are a divided household. Now, when I was 21, I absolutely wanted to get married. I wanted to get married. And so, guess what? If that was the goal, all I need is a guy that would want to get married. Now, at this time, I actually was not interested in finding somebody that was a Christ follower or even really believed or didn't believe in God. I believed in God. I was stiff-arming Jesus, but I did believe in a God. And But it was not on my ra- radar that how that would play into a marriage. And so it wasn't something that I was looking forward to. I was very independent, very stubborn, and very determined to do it my way. So I did find someone who wanted to get married. I ignored red flags on, along the way. And guess what? Now we were two people, part of a marriage that was not grounded in God's word. We were not grounded in God's way. And we were not grounded in God's house. And we were two people that had no business getting married, but we did. And about a year into the marriage, I quickly learned that we were in trouble. Now, I knew before we got married that he actually... Uh, experienced with drugs, and it was not a lifestyle that I was interested in or wanted to bring into our home. And so we were at dinner, and I told him that, um, hey, listen, as we were talking about marriage, if you are wanting to do drugs, and if that's how you want to live your life, I'm not going to ask you 
to not do drugs. But what I am going to ask you is to not marry me. But guess what? He looked me in the eye, said he understood, and he said he didn't want to do drugs, and so we got married. Now, we were about into the marriage about a year, and I discovered that he was doing drugs and had lied to me, and it was very devastating and very hard, but the truth is I really just wanted to ignore it and move on. And so we talked, we compromised, we did counseling, but remember, we were not Christians at the time. We were not Christ followers, and so the counseling that we went to, quite frankly, looking back, was, I think, a Band-Aid, a pacifier, because the reality is neither one of us really wanted to do the work that it would take, the deep work it would take to get our place to a healthy point. And so we just moved on. And as time went on, there were seasons that were really good. He was doing great. I thought he was doing great. We were doing great. He got a great job. And so we decided four years into our marriage that we were... um, Four years into our marriage that we were ready to have a baby. So we had Kaylee, who's here. And I loved everything about it. I love being a mom. I love everything about it. And I love so many moments during these times. I would not trade them for the world because they truly are some of the best times of my life. And I would not trade anything to not have the relationship that I have with her. But... It was a tough road. It was a tough path that I had ahead of me. Um, I knew um, I had a suspicion, or I think I always had this fear that he was still doing drugs. And so I remember having a conversation with him where I sat him down, and I said, listen, I want you to know that if you ever come to me and tell me that you have a drug problem and that you need help, I will be there for you. We will do the work. We will do what it takes. We will do what is necessary to get the help that is needed. But, but, if I ever catch you again, or if I ever catch you lying to me again, I'm out. I'm done. It's over. Because I can't do it anymore. And he very clearly looked at me and said, I understand what you're saying. And so I thought we were good. I thought we were on the same page. And we moved on. And I don't know how long it was after this conversation. I don't know if it was a week, a year. I don't recall, but I remember being at my mom's house, and uh, he was actually taking a nap. I'm not real sure where Kaylee was. I'm sure she was safe, but I'm not sure where she was. But I remember sitting there, and I saw his wallet on a table, and I saw something sticking up, and so I went over, and I looked at it, and I opened up, and there was drugs in his wallet. And so I just simply closed it. I did not go wake him and say, hey, you know, I just simply closed it, and I knew that my marriage was over at that time. I called my sister, and I told her that I found drugs, my marriage was over. And so when he woke up, I told him that, listen, I found drugs and you need to find another place to live because I am done. And so we moved forward and moved on with the divorce and there was not any big battles there, but I did find myself being a young, single, working mom. Um, I had a lot of family support. I had an incredible support system around me, and I'm so thankful for that. I cannot imagine, and still to this day, I have an incredible 
uh, support system. And I really wish I could stand here and tell you that at this moment, I stepped into a relationship with Christ, but I didn't. I didn't. And I knew that the path ahead of me was something that I was going to have to deal with and work through on my own because it was a path that I had chosen. Because guess what? My way. So anyway, I ended up uh, doing that. And during this time, I think the biggest thing that I did during this time is I chose very intentionally to not be a victim. I was not going to play the victim card because, quite frankly, I had already given everything that I could to this relationship, and now he was no longer the issue. He's not the issue anymore. And if I keep my focus there and put all my attention over there, then I'm not going to focus on all of the things that I needed to do in my life because, remember, I had no business being married at the time either. So I had this opportunity to learn about myself, about the things that I thought, what was it that made me choose somebody like that, or ignore the red flags. There was just a lot. So I wanted to learn not only about myself, but I was really wanting to learn about God. Again, I wish I could tell you during this eight years of being a single mom that I found Jesus very quickly, but it took me eight years All eight years of my single life, uh, single mom life, it took me getting there. And God, in his amazing grace, just gave me the free will to continue to seek him and look for who he was. But I continued to stiff arm Jesus because I couldn't get my mind around the reality of who Jesus was. And so I went down the new age way. I went down, you know, my truth may not be your truth. And God is love, which, by the way, God is love. But there are absolute truths. And so in doing that, time went on, and I could tell that my soul was dying. I could tell inside that my soul was dying. And then one day, very clearly, I heard God, not audibly, But I heard God, and I heard him say, Deanne, it's time. You are either going to choose life, or you are going to choose death. And I thank God, still to this day, that I chose life. And I did not step into a relationship with Christ right there either, but here's what was different. I knew at this moment that I had to to deal with Jesus, I knew that I could not listen to the headlines anymore, read the headlines, and then not do the work to find out who Jesus was. It was my responsibility. And guess what? I'm a single mom. Whether you're a single mom or not, we have a responsibility to figure out who Jesus is. And so I took it very seriously. And shortly thereafter, a friend of mine invited me and Kaylee to attend to uh, Lake Hills Church, and she and I attended, and we absolutely loved it. And then shortly after that, enters Russell and Reed, and he attended Lake Hills Church, and he loved it as well. And now Lake Hills Church is still our home church today. And this was the beginning of me doing life God's way. Now, once I opened up my eyes and my heart and my ears to what God had in store for me, I could tell that there was so much 
that I was missing because my heart wasn't open, my eyes and my ears were not open. But once I started to do that, everything just started to work better. Not easy, not easy, but it does work better. And I learned that there are pretty much at least three non-negotiables when you want to do life God's way, and that's God's son, God's word, and God's house. Now, for me, it started in God's house. And this can look different for many people. Maybe you have a Christ friend. Maybe you're already deeply engulfed um, as a Christ follower. And maybe you um, have a mentor or something like that. But for me, it started in uh, God's church. And it's where, where I did learn about God's son, Jesus. And I learned the difference between being a Christ follower and a Christian. And it is where I stepped into a relationship with Jesus and how God's desire for us is to have a relationship with him through his son Jesus and relationships with others. Now, as you can see, I am an absolutely huge fan of the local church. In fact, I do work here at Lake Hills Church, not because, um, but it's because I absolutely love the local church and because they have me, so that's, that's important too. They allow me to work here. So I work here and I absolutely love it, and I could go on and on and on about the benefits of the local church, but they give, gave me a time limit. So I actually found this quote by an author and a pastor called Joshua Harris and his book called Why Church Matters. And because it sums up so clearly what I've experienced over time as I've committed my life to the local church. Here's what he says. The church community is where we learn to love God and others, where we are strengthened and transformed by the truth from the word, where we're taught to pray to worship, and to serve where we can be most certain we're investing our time and abilities for eternity. Where we can grow in our roles as friends, sons and daughters, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, the church is Earth's single best place God specifically designed, a place to start over to grow, and to change for the glory of God. That's why when I tell people when they get serious about church, they're not only adding another item to a long spiritual to-do list. Instead, they're finally getting started on experiencing all the other blessings that Jesus promised to his followers as the fruits of the truly abundant life. This is church. Now, I know some of you either here this morning or watching online, when you hear the word church, maybe that comes up a very negative feeling. Maybe something happened that was not so awesome through the church, and for that I am very sorry. And for others, maybe the church is just a neutral thing. It's not good or bad, it just is. But I just want to ask you, if you will, to just step back and consider the church with a capital C and God's design for the church so that possibly we could look at this from God's point of view. Now, in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives. I'm going to just stop there, because a lot of us are married right here, and when we read this verse, it's really easy to go, yeah, that's what you need to do. Uh, we want to focus on our husbands and what the Bible says for our husbands to do. Uh, but as Julie says, fearless mom, we're actually here to learn about what we can do. And so in this verse, when I'm reading it, we're going to focus on what Christ 
did. So it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to take her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. That's amazing. We can tell by this passage what the church means to God and what it means to Jesus. He gave his life up for the church. And so it's hard for me to understand and wrap my mind around that if Jesus laid his life down for the church, then as a cross follower whose goal is to model and chase after God through Jesus, how can we ignore the church and not think it's a really big deal to God? So I just want to encourage you, if you're not part of a local church, to find one. Find a church that's absolutely sold out to reaching people with the good news. Find a church that's vision and values and teaching line up with Scripture and then jump in, get all in. It's not convenient. It will never be convenient to get a family up and get them ready and get them prepared to get to another thing. But if we switch our point of view and realize it's not another thing, it's the thing that's going to make a huge, huge difference in the health of ourselves and our family. Now, as I continued to get engulfed in the church, I started to get this hunger for God's word, and I started to want to move past the headlines that I had bought into and start learning about who Jesus was on my own. And so I knew that the next step I needed to take was to get into a Bible study, and I did not want to do it because I did not, I knew it was going to take a lot of courage, and I was afraid that I was going to walk in and be the only one that does not know um, what everybody else knows about the Bible. But guess what? That's on me, because that's exactly what our Bible studies are for. Bible studies are a safe place for us to learn about God's Word. And God's Word is alive and it's active. And it doesn't matter if you're just opening it for the first time or you're a veteran in it. When you open that book, it will teach you more in your life where you are. And so I stepped into the Bible study and started learning the tools uh, to study God's Word on my own. So again, just another opportunity for you to... um, if you're not currently doing that, to do so. I found an interesting study by the research by Center for Bible Management. Actually, I did not find this study. This has actually been given out in our Bible studies here. And I found that it was just so interesting and put such perspective to getting into God's Word. And it says, The single most powerful predictor of spiritual growth is how related is related to how many times we are in God's word per week. And they studied over 100,000 people over eight years, and part of the finding was that people who are in God's word more than four times a week, listen to some of these, are 32% less likely to think destructively about self or others, 18% less likely to think unkindly about others, 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant. 44% less likely to feel that they cannot please God. 30% less likely to experience loneliness. 40% less likely to feel bitter. And 31% less likely to feel discouraged. 31% less likely to have difficulty forgiving others, which we talk about forgiveness. 
But then also, these are fascinating to me as far as temptations, that being in God's Word more than four times a week, that these temptations decrease drinking to excess to excess 62%, 62%. Viewing pornography, 59%. Having sex outside of the marriage, 59%. Gambling, 45%. Lashing out in anger decreases 31%. Lying, neglecting the family, 28%. Mishandling food or money, 20%. Think about that. Just think about that. That's amazing. Those are statistics that we actually have control of. The reality is there are so many things in this world that are happening that we absolutely have no control over. And the good news is this is something that we actually have control over. We are in such an exciting time where we have access to information at the push of a button. And it is so great and not so great. In fact, I have a love-hate relationship with uh, information. I love being able to go on YouTube and learn how to sew with my mom's help, um, which I've done. And I love to go to Pinterest and pick out that perfect centerpiece. And I, and I, this is what I really love. I love being Dr. Google and I absolutely love diagnosing me and everyone around us. (laughs) And chances are it's something terminal, but it's fun. I mean, we can just have access and right in front of us, but If I'm honest with myself, chances are it's a lot of wasted time. I'm spending a lot of time on social media. I can find myself just just useless information. Um, It's fun, but we get caught up in it, and we end up saying, I don't have enough time to be in God's Word. And when actually we don't want to add anything more to your to-do list is what we say here at Fearless Mom, but we do want you to shift it a little bit and be able to spend that time in God's Word. Now looking back, I am so amazed and in awe of how God orchestrated the steps in my life. I'm blown away that he was putting things in steps in order for me to just take that next step. And I'm pretty certain that during the times that I was doing it my way, he probably was doing the same way. I was just too stubborn to actually realize it. And so I'm just so thankful to him. And now for some of you here today, maybe you are where I was. Or maybe if you're watching online, maybe you are where I was at that time and you are still wanting to do things your way. And perhaps you're at a place where you realize it's just not working. And perhaps maybe you're just really ready to have a conversation about doing it God's way. And if that is you, whether you're watching online or whether you're here, if you have someone that you can reach out to via email, via text, via phone call, I encourage you to do it right now and not delay it, and make sure you at least start the conversation about what does it look like to do it God's way. The Bible tells us in Romans, it says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is the best news of all. Doing it God's way is the best way to do it. And if you're here this morning as well and you don't have someone 
that you can actually reach out to. We would love to know about it. We would love to hear you or email us at info at fearlessmom.com. We would love to have those conversations with you. Thank you all so much for allowing me to be here this morning. Can we pray together? God, we love you and we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, we thank you so much for your way. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your word and we thank you for your house. God, I would ask, ask that you would give each one of us the courage to step out and do things your way because we know that we are designed by you, we're created for you, and things work better when we do things your way. So God, I just ask that you would help us just to walk and take one step behind you and follow you in everything we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.